0: Welcome to Casting Hope, the sermon podcast of Hope Presbyterian Church in Columbus, Ohio. My name is Joe Hack, lead pastor at Hope, and we are so glad you're listening in wherever you are. In this moment of social distancing, we hope that our audio and streaming resources meet you where you are at and help you stay connected to God and to His promises. So we are Casting Vision as a church, as many of you know. And to do this, we're looking 10 years out, 10 years ahead. And so we're asking the question, if you were able to visit our church in 2031, what would you notice? What would you see? What are we about as a church? And we've been sharing what we hope you would notice if you were able to do that. What we hope that you would see. And so far, we've talked about three things. Vocation. We've talked about spiritual formation. And we've talked about hospitality. We want to be a church in 10 years that is... Integrating faith and work, cultivating deep spiritual formation, and initiating redemptive hospitality. Last week we began talking about our location, and we've always been a church near campus. Near campus. But we want to be more than a church near campus, we want to be a church for campus. This doesn't mean, as I said last week, that we see ourselves as becoming a campus church. Our mission field is larger than campus. But what it does mean is that our mission field must include, intentionally, campus. In other words, campus is not just our background as a church, it's our mission ground. And so if last week we answered the what question, we are a church for campus, Uh, This week, we will answer the why question. Why are we a church for campus? Why invest time and energy and vision towards this? Why pray for this vision? Why not just invite students and faculty into our church? Why not just say, hey, we 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 are a church in proximity to campus. Why not just hang out in that space? Why not just leave campus alone and do our thing? Why? That's the question. Why? And that's what I hope to talk about this morning. And to do that, I want to look at Paul's letter to the Romans. What we often miss with the book of Romans is that this is, in many respects, a church planting fundraiser letter. This is a vision casting document. Paul is a church planter commissioned by Jesus himself. And he says right away in the book of Romans, if you look in chapter 1, you'll see it, I believe starting in verse 8, that he aims to plant a church and churches in Spain. And then at the end of his letter, in our passage that we see this morning, he brings up this intention again. Why? Why does he do it? He wants this church in Rome to support him. And those who are planting with him. It's a support letter. We tend to think of Romans as a theology letter with mission thrown in. But it's actually the other way around. It's a mission letter with theology mixed in to support it. The theology in Romans answers the why question. That's what I want you to hear. The theology in Romans answers the why question. Paul is saying, here is why here's why I want a church in Spain and our passage this morning will help us answer the why question as well why be a church on mission to campus why? And so I'll read our text and you can follow along with us this morning again we're in chapter 15 starting in verse 14. This is God's word. I myself am satisfied about you, talking about the church in Rome, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct each other. Now, that's by the way, just stop for a minute. That is a beautiful encapsulation of what we are talking about when we say we want to be a church that, that cultivates deep spiritual formation. Paul says that they are filled with goodness. That means that they have a sort of character, a deep, deep deep-seated character in them. They're filled with all knowledge. That means that they have right thoughts about God and able to instruct one another. That could be interpreted as able to uh, basically encourage one another and to to shepherd one another and to disciple one another and to be spiritual formation uh, uh, mentors to one another. That to us is a beautiful picture what we want to pursue as a church those three things but verse 15 he goes on but on some points i have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by god to be a minister of christ jesus to the gentiles that's non-jewish men and women in the priestly service of the gospel of god so that the offering of the gentiles may be acceptable sanctified by the holy spirit of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I've longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while let's just pray briefly Lord would you open the eyes of our hearts this morning by your Holy Spirit so that by that same spirit we would be transformed by the same spirit that that inspired this text inspired this letter, this fundraising letter that superintended every single word over it Lord, by your same spirit, would you empower this time, empower this sermon, and soften our hearts to hear what you would have us hear. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So a few years ago, I visited a friend who moved to the West Coast. And when I say the coast, I mean literally the coast. Uh, They live right on the coast of the Pacific, And so, understandably, my friend took to surfing, as anyone should who lives on the coast of the Pacific. And when I visited him, uh, he took me surfing. Now, I've been surfing kind of once, maybe in my lifetime. And so, it was a very humbling experience. And not because I kept falling down in the water, no, it was humbling because I couldn't actually ever stand up. (laughs) And partly because I couldn't find waves. I couldn't catch waves, let alone ride them, let alone stand up on one. See, it turns out that the art of surfing, a major part of it, is finding waves. My friend used tide reports, weather apps, surfing blogs before even heading out so that we could go to the right coast. And then once you are in the water, what you do is you sit and sit and sit on your board in the middle of calm water and wait and watch. And what you watch for is a swelling in the ocean. It starts to happen. You start to see the ocean swell. And then you move in the motion in the and you start to move towards that swelling, and then the swelling starts to form into a wave, and then boom, you start paddling as hard as you can. And for me, I'm like exhausted after like the third paddle, which makes it hard to get up. Basically, I learned that surfers are addicted to waves. That's what they are. They find them, they love them, and they wanna be first to them. There are like battles going on (laughs) about the waves. Well, the reason I share this is because local pastors, Rich Nathan and insu Kim, they compare the mission of the church to surfing. We watch for waves where God is crashing in. And we want to be there for it. We want to leverage our gifts. We want to leverage our resources where waves are rising and then crashing. I personally love this image. Not because... I love surfing. I I, I have to say I love the idea of it, but I'm not good at it. I love the image because it perfectly captures, I think, this moment in our church. After a long year, we're finally getting back out into the ocean. And right now we're sitting on our boards in the middle of a calm ocean. But where is the ocean swelling among us and near us? And so where do we paddle with all of our strength? Well, to answer that question in part, we believe that the ocean is swelling on campus. And for two reasons, really, impact and need. Let me just talk about that impact. We want to impact the world with the welcome of Jesus. That's our mission as a church. And we believe that a church that extends the welcome of Jesus to Ohio State is a church that extends the welcome of Jesus to the world. It's that simple. A church for campus is a church for the world. Think about this. On the one hand, the whole world gathers on the small pinpoint that is Ohio State campus. Campus is 1,600 acres. And in the grand scheme of things, that is very small but 6,000 international students from over 100 countries around the world gather here. The world gathers on campus. And that's important enough, but consider this, not only does the world gather on campus, but campus scatters to the world. Ohio State at any given time is home to 60,000 students, which means there's half a million living Ohio State graduates around the world. I look, there are over 200 alumni clubs all over the world, including Argentina, Belgium, Brazil, Beijing, Hong Kong, Shanghai, Shenzhen, Indonesia, Taiwan, the UK, the United Arab Emirates, and even Michigan. There are alumni groups everywhere. The world not only gathers here, it scatters to the world. And so just think for a moment, the impact that the university has on the world. Just think for a moment, it's awesome, it's staggering. However, OSU students are also shaped here. They're shaped on campus and therefore they will shape the world. One scholar says, quote, the university sets the agenda for what is worth pursuing and what is plausibly true. Think about that. If universities set the terms for the good life, the true life, the beautiful life, then just think about that. There are half a million people just from our pinpoint, just from our 1600 acres, half a million people walking around the globe who have been uniquely shaped by campus. And therefore are uniquely shaping the world. That is an amazing impact. And by the way, Ohio State knows this. They see themselves as a as a as being responsible for the world in many respects. And that's a good thing. Which brings us though to the second reason we think the ocean is swelling on campus, and that's the need. A campus a campus with so much impact should have churches not just standing on the sidelines, but engaged. The church should have a say on, quote, what is worth pursuing and what is plausibly true. Like Paul at the Areopagus, which we looked at last week, our message should have a place here. The message of the risen Jesus ought to be heralded here. Here in understandable, intelligent ways, because the world is on campus, and the campus goes to the world. The university is great for education. It can be great for social experience. I learned this when I was uh, a missionary to campus in the fraternities. Those exist. It It was tough. I will say that. It was hard. We passed out these questionnaires on chapter night and we simply said we exist to be a spiritual resource for you. We acknowledge that campus, and more particularly the fraternity life, we acknowledge that there's educational benefit, we acknowledge that there's a sort of a social benefit to this. But very often God is kept out. And if you want to have a conversation about God, I'm here for you. And I'll tell you, a lot of people laughed it off when they were around their buddies. But when these anonymous, private questionnaires came in, there were a lot of people who were hungry for it. Because that's the reality. One scholar in Australia compares campus life to life under a dome. Picture that. Life under a dome. Where God is pushed out. It's as if Ohio State has an entire dome around it. At worst, this dome is steel. Meaning... God is completely shut out. At best, this dome is glass, where you're allowed to look out and see God. You're allowed to maybe even worship God. But he has to stay away from everything else that goes on in the classroom and everywhere else. But glass or steel, God is shut out. And so the impact of campus on the world, and I want you to hear this, will be a Jesus-less impact so when you add these two things up the impact and the need we we think you start to see a giant wave forming we see an opportunity and we want to be there this is why we want to be a church for campus not just near campus because to be a church for the life of campus is to be a church for the life of the world And I think we see something like this in the passage we just read. We can't exhaust this passage this morning. There's so much here. But I do want to highlight verses 19 and 23 right now. If you have a Bible, just take a look at those verses. You likely ran right past these verses. But one scholar says that in these little lines, quote, we have the explanation and the justification. Of Paul's establishments of the churches in important cities in a province. In other words, these two lines that I'm about to read again to you guys show us that Paul focused on high impact, high need areas in the Roman Empire. What I'm calling rising waves. Paul looked for high swell areas on the ocean from which waves will roll and roll and roll and continue rolling. And he says, I want to be there. So read again what Paul says, starting in the middle of verse 19. He says, he's summing up his missionary journeys. And he says, from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum. I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And then in verse 23, if you scoot, if you, uh, scoot down in your, with your eyes, he says, But now, since I no longer have any room to work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, and then he talks about his desire to go to Spain. Now, in reading this, I wouldn't blame you for skipping over it and seeing it as unimportant. To our walk with God. I think it's very important. In reading this you would think that Paul planted hundreds and hundreds of churches in that area from Jerusalem to Illyricum. You would think are just oversaturation there. After all he says I have no more room here. And he says I have fulfilled my gospel mission. He just planted a few churches though. So he's either exaggerating. Or he's delusional. I think he's strategic. New Testament scholar Michael Bird says quote. Paul was careful to set up congregations. And listen. In strategically important cities. Like Ephesus. Corinth. Philippi. Philippi. Thessalonica, Athens, which we read about last week, which would naturally spread to outlying areas. For case in point, he goes on, the churches in Ephesus, you know our book of Ephesians, that's the church in Ephesus. These small house churches in Ephesus were probably responsible, church historians, New Testament historians believe, for establishing house churches in Colossae, book of Colossians. Laodicea, which is near Colossae, Hierapolis, which is a little bit further out, in the Lycus Valley. And so I love this. I love this detail because it helps answer for us why we want to be a church for not just Columbus, but for campus. We want to see the gospel reach the entire world. We want to see Jesus more and more famous. We want the glory of God to cover the world like the waters cover the sea. That is what we want. We want the welcome of Jesus to not just be, hey, we're a friendly church. No, we want to extend the welcome of Jesus because we want to see Jesus worshipped everywhere. That's what we want. That's the heartbeat of our mission. And one incredible opportunity to do this is by focusing on on the life of campus. Scholar Alan Roland compares Paul's strategic church plant to a coin mint, a coin mint where coins are pressed in one small facility and then go out and spread out into the whole realm. And so he sees a church in Ephesus as a mint of coins that are being pressed in a certain way, shaped in a certain way, and then spread out across the whole realm. Or, or think of a water plant. How many of you had to boil your own water because there's a problem at the water plant? Anybody? You get notification, usually about eight hours too late, that the water's bad. Something happened at the water plant. That happened to us recently, actually. If there's poison in the plant, the impact is massive. The whole realm is poisoned. But if the water plant is clean... The whole realm is blessed. Campus is like that. Campus is like a mint, a water plant. And that's why we want to be there. I think we're good. That was just a gust, but I apologize in advance. Everyone who's live streaming, if I end up being upside down, that's because of the wind. We want to be a church for the world. And that's why we want to be on campus. But how, okay, so that's the why we want to be. That's the case for why we want to be on campus. But now how, like what is our posture? And I want to learn again from Paul in this text. And I want to extend to you two words to think about in our posture, humility and audacity. So first humility, like Paul in this passage, when he's talking about this church planting effort, We want to be humble and and in two ways. We want to give God control of our vision and we want to give God credit for any sort of fruit that bears from this. We got to give God control first. See, Paul was eager to go to Spain. We saw that in verse 24. He was eager to do it. He's been eager to do it. Things have held him back. He saw a wave rising there and he's doing so much. He's accumulating a support system in Rome. Probably somewhere to stay in case things get kind of awry. Probably financial support. And so he's doing all of this planning. But we know, we know from the book of Acts and from church history that guess what? Paul likely didn't make it there. He got caught up in shipwrecks after he wrote this. Imprisonments after this. He got caught up in beatings. This vision, in other words, never happened. Paul never saw the vision. It eventually happened. Word is there are churches in Spain. (laughs) Okay. It eventually happened, but not in Paul's lifetime. And that could be true for us as well. We're casting vision 10 years out. There could be the possibility that it doesn't happen or it doesn't happen the way we want it to happen. We just need to give God control. We need to trust that he'll open the doors that he needs to open for this to happen. And that he'll close the doors that he will close. But we give him control. This is an act of worship. Our vision casting right now is an act of trust. And then we also must give God credit. This is the second part of our humility posture. Notice that Paul gives all credit to God In this, When he does boast, he says, I'm only boasting in the stuff that Jesus did through me. And so in verse 15, he says it was grace that gave him this mission. And that's how we believe God is equipping us as a church by grace. He's gifting us with the resources. All of you here and all of you listening, there are an immense amount of resources that God has graced us with and the calling to do what he's calling us to do. That's grace. It's a gift. It's not our work. And then if anything transformative happens, like Paul here, what he says, it's because of the word, the deed and the power, the word of the gospel. Number one, anything transformative that will happen for campus will be because of the word of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. That is why there will be success, because his word is powerful, because what he did and the proclamation of what he did is the power and then the servanthood deeds That's people like you and like me just simply laying down our lives. That's nothing to be proud of. And then the power of God's spirit in verse 19. Paul is humble. He gives God control and he gives God credit. He doesn't boast in himself, but he boasts in what God has done through him. And the same must be true for us. It's like a musical instrument, right? A cello, if it could, so use your imagination with me. A cello should not boast if Yo-Yo Ma picks up that cello and plays it. I mean, yes, it is a beautifully made instrument, but Yo-Yo Ma made it sing we too must stay humble in this vision. It is not ours to control. If we see our church, who I believe is sitting on our boards, waiting for this wave to crash, if we start to see this take off, oh Lord, make it so. It is because he will do it. So we're humble. Humility, But number two, audacity. This dynamic I talk about a lot. It's not new to me, but it is the dynamic that pervades so much of what the gospel does to his people. It makes us humble and it makes us bold. And here's the audacity. Paul has the audacity here. He says in verse 20, it's his ambition. So the word he uses is ambition. He goes in verse 20, it's my ambition to preach the gospel wherever Jesus is not worshiped. And so he has the audacity to make Jesus foremost over all things. Jesus is foremost over all things for Hope Church. It must be. This vision is pointless if that is not true. This is gospel-grounded audacity. That we would be about one person. That we would be about one thing, and that is worship As it's been said, worship where it isn't happening. That's what we want to be about. We don't want to succeed as a church for our fame, for our reputation. We want to succeed, however you define that word, for the fame of Jesus. Just like I want more people to taste the goodness of like my favorite restaurant, we want more and more people to taste the goodness of Jesus. We actually have the audacity to say that Jesus is better than most no all other ways of life that's an audacious claim in our culture right now but that's our heartbeat he is lord he rose from the dead we don't get a vote it's his way his way and that's our that's our audacious claim that he is best with Paul, we believe that the eternal consequences of life outside of Jesus are overwhelmingly, eternally bad. And so we want to take Jesus wherever he is not being worshipped. Paul has the audacity to call himself a priest. He compares his ministry to the priesthood in this passage. He's bringing people to God and bringing God to people. That's what priests do. And the only way that sinners can stand before a holy God is It's through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. And so we too must maintain the gospel if we're going to be bringing God to people and people to God. And we see what happens when we do that. Paul says, man, the spirit shows up and things start to shake. Walls break down. Deeply entrenched walls just crumble and patterns get rechanged. Amazing things start to happen. God, the very presence and the very power of God, Paul says here, shows up when we simply take the news of Jesus to places where it has not been heard. And you might be saying, course it's been heard there's churches all over the place in columbus but here's what we're saying there there is a a sort of lost uh, amnesia almost of what who jesus is and what jesus did amongst our neighbors and especially on campus and so when we talk about jesus uniquely living the life he did jesus uniquely dying the death he did being raised from the dead his return where he will make all things new and then the life of the sort of life, the canopy that he invites you to walk in, this life eternal, this, this good life. When we talk about that, it is as if people are hearing it for the first time. And if we do that faithfully and with humility, but audaciously, we will trust that the Holy Spirit will bring his presence and his power in those moments and in those places. And that's our, that's our vision. Campus is a rising wave. We want to be there. We want to be there. That's how, we, that's, that's how we want to be the next 10 years. We want to be audacious. We want to be humble. But in our audacity, we would rather fail spectacularly than play it safe. You know, I'm, I'm a fan of the Cubs, and I don't know if you watch baseball, but they're doing terrible. They're doing really bad right now. And part of the reason they're doing really bad is because they're not hitting balls at all. They're swinging really hard. They have plenty of confidence, but they're not contacting the ball, which is a bummer. It really is, if you want to see, like, runs and therefore wins. (laughs) But here's the thing. I'm okay with it because they're swinging. They're swinging intelligently. They're swinging powerfully. They're swinging hopefully. And that honestly is how I want to view the next few years and the next decade. I want to swing intelligently, hopefully, prayerfully. And we may whiff, but we will whiff to God's glory. Amen? Or God may see it, that he will use this church for this vision. And in that case, amen. In both cases, amen. But that's where we're heading. We wanna be a church for the world and that's why we wanna be a church for campus. And so Lord, would you make it so? Would you make it so? Lord, would you unpack this vision? We offer it to you, we give it to you. We pray Lord that for everyone here and everyone listening in, that you would provide for us a unique spot in this story. That you provide for us a location, a building that would serve this mission and this vision well. That you would give us the humility needed, but also the audacity needed to pursue what you are calling us to as a church. In all these various ways that we've already unpacked and still, but still more to unpack. And we offer it to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information about our church and for more resources like this, visit our website at hopechurchcolumbus.org.